I'm notorious for losing signal. It uh, says broadcast is live. Perfect. We're live. So I uh, think we're live. Yes. Welcome back. Uh, it's been a while. And t tonight, uh, I'm very happy to have Gina um, from Traditional Tattoo in Sa uh, from San Luis Obispo, California. Gina, thank you um, for doing this and sitting down with me um, and talking about kind of what you do and uh, where you came from. So to start this off, can you just give a, a, a an introduction for us? Sure. Uh, my name is Gina Jane. Um, I am a 10-year tattooer by trade. That's my, my main career. I work out of traditional tattoo in San Luis. I've been there for about eight years now. Um, it's been a, a really great adventure for me to be a tattooer for a living. I kind of get to feed my art beast in a very different way. Um, and then um, the other kind of things that I've picked up along the way, I mean, I was raised by an artist mom, so I've been around the arts my whole life. My mom was an oil painter, and that's definitely where I started, was just kind of em emulating the things that I saw from my mom. Um, I figured out in my adult years that I'm I don't really like landscape painting and canvas painting uh, the same way that my mom does. Um, so then when I met Dave and Dave and I got together, it kind of opened up another realm of painting for me in, in a different way. So now I've done, you know, a couple handfuls of motorcycle helmets and um, a, a few kind of off shot things like that with one shot. Uh, I would by no means say that I am a one shot artist, but I have definitely played around with that medium a few times. Um, and then a few years ago, I guess it, was, it would have been about six years ago now, I picked up wood burning as a, honestly, as kind of a hobby. I wanted something that would be easy for me to get out and then put away when it was time to put it away. Painting is a lot harder. There's a lot more stuff that goes along with it, you know? Um, and being a mom and uh, you know, a wife and a full-time career person, it just left very little time for me to like really feel like I could get into painting and stuff like that. And so um, I found wood burning. And honestly, I just thought that I would maybe do some like Christmas presents and uh, that would be kind of, it would be like a crafting hobby for me. Uh -huh. um, and then I got into it and I just, it just, it speaks my language. It's very similar to tattooing. It's got a lot of the same hand movements. It's got a lot of the same, um, like kind of creative process as tattooing. Um, but it sits still and it doesn't tell me what to do. And I really enjoy that part of it very much, you know? Um, so wood burning, uh, like kind of by chance, has become almost a full-time second career for me, which has been really, really great, but totally unforeseen. I know you guys do, uh, you know, like you are busy, not only like tattooing and everything in the painting, but the adventures. You guys, like you guys go, you go places like road trips do. and do we shows. Do. Um, how is that? Like, do you take, do you take everything on the road? Um, so what Dave and I will often do is, um, we like spend months prepping at home here for, for shows. So when we know we've got like, uh, the few shows that Dave and I do every year is we do born free and we do chopper fest and we almost always do the venture nationals also. Um, and then we usually will try and throw in a random one or two shows a year of kind of doing, you know, where we get asked to go or whatever. Um, 
And so what we'll do is we both kind of have like a three month window where we know like born freeze in June. And so like in April, we start really buckling down here at home and we spend all of our extra time just kind of making artwork and all that stuff. Um, I rarely bring like my tattoo equipment on the road with me because I am so busy here all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm tattooing, uh, you know, at least five days or well, at least four days a week and more often than not five or six. Um, so when I am traveling, kind of the last thing I want to do is tattoo on top Uh of that because it's not a vacation for me Mm -hmm. or it's not a change of pace for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm pretty lucky in my shop that I don't need to do guest spots to keep myself uh, relevant. Like mm-hmm. we've got enough people kind of coming through my shop and enough work that I don't I don't really have to do that. Um, so usually when I'm traveling, it's all just artwork and just like either burning or, you know, Dave and I will paint on the fly when we're at shows sometimes. Mm-hmm. But uh, more often than not, it's Dave painting and I'm just kind of running the booth and, and doing the PR kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but we really, I mean, Dave and I love to go. We're both, we love being on the road. Dave and I have definitely seen a ton of this country by small highway and byways. Mm -hmm. Um, and And we love it. It's like, it's our favorite, it's our favorite thing to do. And the Uh Thunder Pig definitely helps. You know, the Thunder Pig is, uh, its own beast. Well, I've seen, you said like, you just said you're like, uh, you didn't, about one shot and i i think you are a one-shot artist uh i did see you paint that helmet when we were in kentucky um and it had it had they did have a huge skull like a it did cow skull um, it had like a deer skull and the, then like um, red rocks right or yeah it had the memorial yeah. highway scene from like yeah. sedona arizona yeah. Yeah. yeah it was pretty cool yeah, I know you were you were working on that thing too uh, during the day. I remember we, we were that was my breaks. second ever helmet. And what was the one you just did? Uh, how how long ago you just did like you did some gold leaf work also, didn't you? Yeah, that was for uh, Babes Ride Out is a female only uh, motorcycle show that happens once a year uh, here on the West Coast, and I do believe that they are doing one on the East Coast now also. Um, And it's awesome for all the females out there that ride motorcycles. Babes Ride Out is like super, uh, a really cool event to go to. They actually teach women how to work on their own bikes and how to change their own tires and how to do all of that kind of stuff. Uh And they do it in an environment that's really inclusive and you don't feel like kind of the weird lady that's just asking for help from all Mm -hmm. the guys, you know. Um, And they do an artist thing every year where they will send out helmets and leather jackets and um, a couple motorcycle tanks to different artists and have them paint them. And I've done helmets for them two years in a row now, uh, three years in a row now I've done helmets for them. And I, so that, that helmet you did, you know, of course they had that gold leaf in it. Did you just start doing the gold leaf uh, or like, how did, how did that come about? Cause I know that's a hard process. Uh, and I, you know, I'm always like, I'm too scared to even touch it. You know, you shouldn't be scared of it, Johnny. It's just a thing. Um, it, it is a process to learn, and it is something that you'll screw up more times than you feel like you should before you kind of get it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's definitely not. It's not um, difficult. It's touchy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, it's not difficult. It's pretty easy in, like, technical terms to, to gold leaf, but it's touchy stuff. 
and every mm-hmm. time you do it, it's a little bit different. Um, I started gold leafing because I get to sit here and I get to watch Dave. Uh, mm-hmm. If you guys don't know who did City Slicker Pinstriper, he's my husband. Um, I, he does all kinds of crazy artwork. He's an insane beast. But um, I have been watching him work for 10 years now, right? And the gold mm-hmm. leaf stuff is just something that I'm always kind of like you just said, I'm always fascinated by it. It just always looks it takes whatever you're doing and just like ups the ante mm-hmm. of how beautiful it can be. And it's um, just this really neat process to watch someone do too. Like just all the, uh, you lay it down and it's all these mm-hmm. like little thin butterfly wings and then they, you know, fluff it off and then there's something beautiful underneath it. Mm-hmm. So I've just been really interested in the process of it. And then I started, um, I think it was about three years ago, I started uh, wood burning skateboards after we were at Rush Masters in uh-huh. Kentucky because Darren McKay had wood burned a skateboard. And I, at that point I had been wood burning like wood rounds and, and mm-hmm. different like plaques and things like that. But I hadn't, That's, I have one sitting beside me. Oh, there you go. For, I have one of yours. Uh, cause I got an awesome care package from you. Oh and, uh, yeah. And Dave, and that. you included one. It was, it was like a surprise. Like it was just like, it was Christmas. It was like gift after gift after gift. Uh, so I have uh, I have one of the Sailor Jerry ones you did, yeah, um, right here. There we um, go. That's why I like I like your your style, like even like your tattoo style. You can transfer that over to the wood burning, and then you just like stepped it up and you added the gold leaf. And I saw that skateboard deck you did with the huge skull and the gold leaf. I that, have that sitting here. I brought it so oh that I could. Do you, yeah. on the, on those skateboards, do you, do you do like the, a clear coat or a resin on those? Yeah, I do a two part epoxy mm-hmm. resin coating on it. Um, that I just get, I just get it at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. It's called glaze coat. Um, that process <clears throat> of processes, that one is a little more tricky, um, to get the epoxy to cure correctly and without stuff in it and without getting like fruit flies landing in all of your shit and stuff like that. It's, <laughs> it's quite, it's quite a process to get so, to where you kind of have everything set up the way you need it to, but I've been doing it for a few years now. So I've got it. Like I've got after, after you put all that time into something, that's gotta be the most frustrating part is like pouring resin and going, please nothing fall in this. Uh, like, I hope I get all the bubbles out. Or like everything looks perfect before you go to bed and uh-huh. then you, up in the morning and there's like a fucking large house fly just uh, right in the middle of and then you're like sitting there and you're trying to like dig out all the little legs and oh sand no. off just that one little spot and then you have to pour the pour whole over. thing again oh you know and hope it doesn't happen yeah. again so there are some things of mine where if you look close enough you'll see a little fly wing somewhere that i just yeah, have not like a, shit about because i've tried a little to treasure that. Yeah. yeah. If you it's find like, it, it's there for you. Yeah, That's yeah, right. It's like, where's Waldo? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> did you, so you didn't have like a traditional, um, like a traditional background or a, I guess an art, traditional art education background growing up. It was like all your mom, right? Yeah. I've never taken, um, I've never taken an art class outside of what I could take in high school, um, which in high school I did take every thing that they would let me take you know Mm -hmm. I tried a bunch of different stuff in high school but other than that I I really haven't had any 
for formal training. Mm -hmm. um, I've been really lucky in my life that I've known a lot of artists in a lot of different mediums, and I've been able to ask questions and directions from a vast majority of different kinds of people. Um, and then I think I think it was just being born to a creative uh, mm -hmm. and being raised in a creative household. It always gave me the opportunity to be creative you know mm -hmm. it was always okay it was always okay that i was um trying different stuff or or doing weird shit or you know whatever so well, i think it's cool that you, it goes to show that you don't you don't have to come from you don't have to come from a university yeah like it or your pedigree like to, doesn't matter it yeah, just matters yeah. how hard you're willing like, to work for. yeah hard work consistency uh heart a lot of heart you know, it's there. Like, there's a lot of ups and downs, and that brings up the the skill and talent, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's very easy to look at people and be like, "Oh, you're so talented! You're so talented! You're so talented!" Mm -hmm. You can be talented, but unless you put your time into your skill, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter. So, really, it's skilled. You're very mm -hmm. skilled. If you're very good at anything, it's because you're skilled. It's because you've you've taken whatever born in talent you got, mm -hmm. and then you worked your fucking ass off to like hone that down into a skill you know uh -huh. I don't yeah think, like not a lot of people don't see what what people put into it like you know we can see things on social media and it's like oh man this you, you it, it always makes it look like someone picked it up like that night or that day or whatever within a month uh, yeah i don't think people yeah. realize how much work you know you said you've been doing this for, for like what eight to ten years I've been tattooing for 10 yeah. years now, um, and I've been wood burning for about six. Yeah. It's funny because an Instagram of the, the life that we lead right now, this online kind of platform life mm -hmm. that we lead doesn't often, I don't know, if you look at my Instagram, a lot of times I do try and post um, like process photos and mm -hmm. process videos and things like that because I want people to see that it's not just this end result thing that I hold up and you get to see a picture of it. It's mm -hmm. all of this like painstaking work that goes into it. And um, I mean, it's, it's passionate work, so it's always accepted and always good, but mm -hmm. it's a lot more than most people think. Yeah. It takes time. The skateboards that I do on average take me between 30 and about 50 hours of work by the time I'm done with it. Like if we're talking like design time for the design, mm -hmm. prep work for the skateboard, stencil laying, burn time, gold leaf, epoxy pour, hanger on the back. By the time we're oh, done yeah. with all of those things, it's a, it's a, it looks like it's really awesome. Uh-huh. But then by the time I'm done with it and I sell it, I've paid myself less than $10 an hour to mm -hmm. do the thing, you know, which I'm super still stoked with. But, you know, it's definitely a lot more work than I think being an artist sounds so cool. Mm -hmm. In reality, it is so much different than just being so cool, you know. <laughs> what 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 led you um, what what led you into the tattooing, like starting there? Like you probably didn't get a start there. I mean, were you, you were you doing other things before, like painting and stuff, before you got into tattooing, or? Yeah, like I mean, I've been um, I've been a painter, like a canvas painter, for mm -hmm. as long as I can really remember. I've been mm -hmm. doing some sort of either acrylic or oil canvas work, mm -hmm. um, and so when I got into tattooing at the time, um. 
at the time I was just starting to get back into kind of painting on canvas because I had, I was a single mom for a lot of years and there was a few years there where the girls were just too little and crazy for me to focus on any sort of artwork mm -hmm. of my own, you know? And so I had just kind of gotten back into doing some canvas paintings and I had just sold like two or three of them, nothing crazy, but just enough to kind of, uh, feed the beast of like, oh, okay, I, can, I need to do more of this, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I always tell people that tattooing kind of found me. Um, I had always loved body art. I had always loved tattooing. I had always thought that tattoos were beautiful. I always knew that I wanted to be covered in tattoos. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I don't think I, I didn't know anybody that was like a career tattooer. And I kind of thought that nobody was a career tattooer. You you tattooed, but then you had some other job that like uh -huh. made you real money because people didn't make real money tattooing in my head. That was, you know, the way it was or whatever. And um, I, uh, I was about two months from signing myself up from to graphic design school because I knew that I needed uh -huh something creative. Mm -hmm. I knew that I needed to not work retail anymore. I knew that I needed to like feed this thing in me somewhere. But I also knew that I didn't want to, I had no desire to do computer work. I had no desire to sit at a computer and do stupid companies, letterheads or whatever. But I knew that like fuck graphic design is almost the only way that you can make like a legitimate mm -hmm living according to other people or society or whatever being an artist and so i was like well i guess that's what i gotta do you know um so i had like looked into that i had talked to an advisor i had gotten myself all ready i was gonna go the fall quarter that year um and start and um in i think it was like right in August, um, a friend of mine had called me and she was at a tattoo shop and she was like, come on down. I know you have a little tattoo that you drew for yourself in your wallet that you want to get done and I'll buy it for you. And I was like, okay, you know, sounds great. And I <laughs> went down to the tattoo shop and it was the first tattoo that I had ever gotten that I could watch the whole thing happen. It was on my arm and I was able to like, just kind of see the whole, it wasn't on my back or somewhere mm -hmm. where I couldn't watch what was happening. And I think my mind was just in the right place to see the opportunity that was sitting there, I think is what happened was I was just, I was so open to this idea of needing personal freedom, needing career freedom, needing artistic freedom, you know, just all of that stuff was so huge in my life at that moment that I was able to kind of sit in this tattoo shop and I looked around and I was like, God, these guys dress however they want and they talk however they want. And they're cussing up a storm and nobody cares. And, you know, just all of, all of that, like uh -huh. just personal freedom I was seeing in these guys. And I just was, I was really attracted to the idea of doing art, but I think more than anything, I was really attracted to the idea of being authentically me at being work yourself. or at home. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I had worked all these retail jobs where you had to be like gap appropriate or like, you know, all of this stuff. And, that just doesn't fit me. I am just, I, I'm so unapologetically this person and I can't really turn it off for other people, you know? And so like, that was really what attracted me to being a tattoo artist. Um, and so that day I asked the guy, I was like, how do you get into tattooing? I'd never heard of anyone going to college or anything like that. And he was like, go find an apprenticeship, but good luck. Cause this was 
12 years ago uh-huh. and there was not a lot of females that were tattooing in my area. There was like two, I think in my whole like greater area that I was in. Um, so then I just, I, I had, I had some drawings that I had done. I had on my own just tried to like emulate some traditional tattoos that I had seen and, and just tried to draw things that were mine, but mm-hmm. looked like tattoos. Right. Did you get, what, did you start at where you're at now? No, I started at a shop called Octopus Inc. up in Tacoma, Washington. Okay. Shop's not there anymore. It's been closed down for a few years now, but um, they were the people who gave me my my start up there. Okay. Um, no, if I'd have been in California to start uh, that far ago, I don't think I would have gotten the same um, gender discrimination uh-huh. is a good to put that because it wasn't even like it was discrimination but it just there just wasn't a lot of females around where Mm -hmm. i was and none of these guys wanted a girl to come in and potentially ruin their boy party that was happening at their (laughs) shop you know and so it's just a little harder but i think if i'd have been in california to start i i might not have gotten that same um reaction Mm -hmm. yeah and now so you got so you said 10 years right 10 years here yeah what what's what's like I mean, you're still tattooing, wood burning. What is the next, like the next thing you're looking at or uh, like working towards? Uh, I mean, the next thing that I would be working towards would be having my own private studio. That's probably the next move Mm -hmm. that I need to make uh, just to make myself feel like I'm working for my future, right? I love mm-hmm. my shop. I love my coworkers. I like where I work. It's by no means anything that I feel like I need to like leave them or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I do feel like the next natural progression in my career is me having my own like little private studio that I mm-hmm. can wood burn and tattoo and do some sign painting in and do, you know, just, just kind of have a, an art studio that also includes tattooing mm-hmm. is kind think, of, I think the next progression for me and Dave. More, more appointment based kind of thing. And yeah, well, I'm all appointment based uh-huh. now anyway. I don't, I haven't done walk-ins in a good couple of years now. Cause I just, I'm just full so enough, busy. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I try not to take that from the guys at our shop that do kind of need the Mm walk-ins or building a clientele or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think the natural, the next progression is for Dave and I both to find a place where we can both comfortably work out of that includes tattooing somewhere in there. Um, But that's still probably a couple years off. We've got Mm -hmm. a 16 year old at home that we've got to get through school and stuff. And, um, and and because I'm so comfortable with where I work now, I'll probably stay there until she graduates just Mm -hmm. to kind of keep things normal for her. And then it'll allow me the space to kind of focus on it the way I want to, too. Do you guys have any, uh, we talked about the adventures and travel. Do you guys have any trips coming up? Any shows coming up? Uh, I mean, COVID put a pretty large damper yeah. on the fucking shows that can happen. But uh-huh. um, we've heard rumors that Born Free is supposed to happen in August. Um, and if that does go through, we've got a booth there and we'll be there. Um, and right now, the only trips that we have planned are just like personal trips. Like we're going to, my oldest daughter moved up to Washington at the beginning of all this COVID business. And Mm -hmm. so we haven't been up there to see her. So we're going to go up and see my family and see my daughter. And, um, and then I think we have a couple camping trips. We want to take the pup 
you know, uh, the new pup into the van oh, and yeah. get yes. camping and stuff like that. So uh, this summer will be little short trips so that the mm-hmm. puppy can get used to sleeping in the Thunder Pig with us, you know. I, oh, that's I'm ready. To, I'm ready to see these things, especially with the new dog. Because um, I know we were talking before. I was like, I want you're like, he might make an appearance. Oh, I can uh, make him might, make an appearance. He might make an appearance. Uh, can I see you? you oh, guys look, there he is. On cue. <laughs> On cue, you little golden Perfect. bear. Come here. Johnny wants to see you. Whoa. Oh, he, you're right. He has gotten bigger. This is our golden bear, Wallace. Oh, my gosh. He's 15 weeks old. And he is wonderful. How you how much how how we were just talking earlier, how big has he gotten? Um, right now he weighs about thirty pounds. And when we got him, he was about twenty-five or twenty-four or something like mm-hmm. that. So he's put on about five or five or seven pounds this week. Oh my god. He's a big baby. He's an old man yeah. in a puppy suit. Uh, is he is he pretty uh pretty timid and like wants to sleep or like a puppy just this- kinda wants to run around this is him all the time nice a nice lap dog <laughs> all right oh my gosh go, little man. so what so people you know people like one of the things for this podcast was like giving people the opportunity kind of like to hear from someone actually doing it you know and and like get tips and and tricks or whatever okay. you know what you know what advice do you have for somebody that wants to start uh you know start painting or start start wood burning where do you recommend they start start off you know what kind of things they need to get or where they need to look for information on this kind of on these kind of things totally um so i'll focus more maybe on wood burning because that's probably where my my actual like knowledge would be at i asked mm-hmm. dave a lot of stuff about painting so i don't know if i have the best knowledge for I, all of i asked him i asked him too it's <laughs> he's a he's a wealth of knowledge he's like owning a little encyclopedia next to you it's really great uh it's really great um so for wood burning um i always tell people and this is just my own opinion i always tell people to start cheap and if you like it move yourself up Right. Like start with if you're going to draw something, go buy a pack of Crayola markers and start there. And then if you really like it, mm-hmm. maybe move yourself up. Right. And tools. Um, one of the problems with wood burning, though, is that the gap between hobby and good is huge financially. Um, so like you can go to Michael's and you can get yourself a fifteen dollar wood burner and it is going to do a decent job. Uh, it'll do enough of a job that if you get all the way through your project with that wood burner, you probably like it enough that you could then go pay for a more expensive one that's going to do a better job. Um, I'll give a little shout out really quick to, um, I'll show you because I've got it right here. So this is the wood burner that I use. It's called a Razor Tip SSD10. Um, 
this thing is definitely much more on the professional side of things because of how expensive it is. The wood burner itself, like this box, and then you know your set of little pins that that you actually do the burning That's like with. An old school. That looks like a power supply. It does. That, it, yeah. It, it, to be fair, it's not far off of a power that, supply. It's very, very similar to an old 10-digit potentiometer, yeah. for sure. Um, I told you, the similarities between tattooing and wood burning are, they're so there that if you're a tattooer first and you get into wood burning, it's very, very easy. I don't think that it would be the same if you were a wood burner and you were jumping into tattooing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, but this razor tip is like, for the kit, it's about 400 bucks. So I always tell people it's not worth buying if all you're going to do is make Christmas ornaments. Just truck it through with the cheap one because mm -hmm. there's no reason to pay that much money if you're not going to be doing things that you're making money off of, right? Now, are there are there different um, are there different tips and things that you like? I guess different size tips for. Cause I don't even know what that what is that called that you actually that you use. Uh, where's my camera? So these are wood burning pins and it just plugs into like an RCA cord. Sorry, I'm trying to find oh, no, it. Yeah, oh, I can see that. Plugs yeah. into an RCA cord and then it heats up and this whole, the white part and all of this gets like red hot if you have it up high, right? Mm -hmm. So see how this one is like a little teeny, oh, let me see if I can focus it. See how it's a little tiny ball mm -hmm. right on the very top there? Is that, is that what you're burning with? So this is one of the things I'm burning with. This is a thing that I do a lot of dot work with. I sign mm -hmm. my name with this one. I write lettering with this one. Then there's like that one that's just like a flat, you know, tip mm -hmm. that you can use to like fill things in with and just kind of make things solid black. And then, I mean, you name it, you can get as many of these fucking things as you. It's almost like leather work <laughs> where you can like get a million and a half leather tools, right? Mm -hmm. So like I've got a few of these ones with the balls on them. Um, and these are what they call stylus pins. And you can use these for, like I said, writing letters, um, anything that you would be wanting, like a nice flow of like a single line. You can use these ball ones with. There's an even bigger ball. I also will do a lot of my solid black stuff where I just do these little tiny dots and I just burn in little dots and it gives kind of an interesting little texture with these round ones. And then, um, so these two are what they call a knife. Oh yeah, they do kind of look like blades. Yep, it's just like a little skinny blade. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do with these is I cut all my outlines in with these. So all of the, and I'll, I'll show you in just a second because I've got some stuff sitting here. But so all of the outlines I do, just like with a tattoo liner, right? I line everything with these knives because they just put a really nice, consistent, thin line in. And then you can go back and you can kind of fill in. So then with the fill stuff, there's a few different things here, and I don't know if I'll be able to get them all on the camera. So this is like a flat, um, kind of like, I don't know, foot, I guess. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know what you would call that. But this one you can use to like 
shade things out so you're like uh you know fading a shade so that it's like real dark to kind of mm -hmm. lighter um this one is what they call a spoon shader and it's got a little bit of like a kind of a rounded spoon shape to it and it's even a little con uh convex down there so it's a little rounded and this thing again is just a shader it just does a different technique than this this one being flat does a little more solid mm -hmm. black this one will do a little bit more shading shading one, and then uh, I've got how, these... how hot do those get when you're i mean they, those things uh, glow red actual temperature i'm not sure but i can tell you that it gets so hot that it cauterizes your skin your skin just turns white <laughs> like it oh, doesn't gosh. bleed it doesn't blister uh -huh. it just turns white white so i would assume that we're looking at well over 500 mm -hmm. degrees yeah and then does it matter uh can you do any type of wood or do you want to do you stick towards a certain type of woods or you get better results with you know certain types of wood yeah definitely so um things that here let me grab give me just a second let me grab a couple of my pieces of oh, wood no and i'll kind of show you what i got going on here so everybody that's that's going to be listening to this uh if you're listening to a podcast you're going to want to you're going to want to check in uh check this out on youtube um because we're doing that i would just we want to start a little thing called like 10 minutes of the goods where the person that uh that I'm talking to actually shows what they're doing uh, or shows a little bit of something on the process on what they do or what they specialize in. So you can check this out on YouTube if you are listening to this on the podcast. Okay, so here is a few good and a few bad things. So plywood or anything like that that's going to have like a veneer on the top of it is shit you can't really get very much with it because the amount of heat that comes out of that pen makes the glue from the from the veneer separate mm -hmm. it just to pop open and then you get all these kind of weird spots so i tried to do this uh for my mom a little while ago because it fits above her stove in like a little spot on her uh, vent or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's on this really thin plywood and I started doing it and you probably can't see it, but there's like all these spots where it just like popped up. Pops, or, yeah. yeah. The veneer just pops off and then you're, uh, you're, you have a really hard time trying to get it to like look good. Mm -hmm. Right. So anything with a veneer does not work very well at all at all. Um, definitely would say stay away from any sort of plywoods, any sort of MDF, anything that, um, like I tried to do a, ca a cabinet door one time. I tried to strip, strip down like a cabinet door uh -huh. and it was, it was gar, it was so, it was so bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not a good idea. Um, okay. So then there's things like, um, I do, I've done a decent amount of stuff on bamboo. Like these, I haven't done okay. yet, but these are just like cutting boards that uh -huh. I buy at Home Goods or TJ Maxx or shit, mm -hmm. you know? And bamboo works really, really well, but it does uh, need like, oh, how can I explain this? So when you're burning, if it's a really nice hardwood, the burn will stay right where your pen is. If it's a softer wood and the grains and stuff are a little more open, 
you kind of get this orange hue off of the edge of where you've burned and it's just it, the heat kind of transferring through okay. the wood not like a like tattoo like a blowout or anything but it kind of looks almost okay. the same uh -huh. it's not it's not a blowout but it is kind of like a heat blowout mm -hmm. i mean i guess that would be a similar term to use um but in that you can then finish your whole design sand it all down and all of that kind of top heat scorch mark comes off so okay. you know you can't get rid of it um i find that for myself so these are like this is something that i use quite often and this is just a basswood plank that i picked up at michael's you can get them at hobby lobby and home depot and everything else basswood works really really well because it's such a soft wood that any of the ridges that are like the growth lines you know the ridges that are in there they're not so hard that you can't burn through them. Um, there are some things where, oh, where are those things at? Um, the, the trays that you do, are those bamboo trays? They're acacia wood. So I've got one of those sitting here too. But I don't know what kind of wood this is. I'm not sure because I just bought it like online as a bunch of different coasters. Mm -hmm. But these rings, these growth rings here, the white part is really, really soft. So with the heat, your your wood burner just wants to sink right down into it. But then these harder rings are so hard that you can't like get it to burn. So getting like a consistent line in something that has these really thick growth rings mm -hmm. is really, really difficult. It's very, very hard. Um, so you like when you're like running lines on there because of the, the thick, is it like the lines are kind of like. Oh, you know what? Go... I can show you really quick. I'll just do it really fast on this thing and you can kind of see it. It doesn't take very long. Um, but then what I, what I prefer to burn on is stuff like this. This mm -hmm. is acacia wood. These are a lot of the trays that I do and stuff that you'll see me do that are like an actual tray. Mm -hmm. Um, almost all of it is acacia, which is a hard wood, but it doesn't have a ton of the growth rings that go through it. Like it's, I don't know the technical term of what kind of tree it would be, but it's somewhere between like a palm and an actual hardwood mm -hmm. because it doesn't get those same kind of growth rings as other stuff. And it burns really clean and it smells great. It like smells like a campfire. It's uh -huh. wonderful. Um, there are some woods that are really stinky and you get in here and I like will stink Dave out <laughs> worse than the one shot stinks me out of the room, you know. Can you on those on those trays too, have you gold leafed on the on the trays? Uh-huh. Yeah, I have. It it turns out great. It's really pretty. I've got a couple of I don't think I have one gold leaf, but I've got a couple of things up there that I'll I'll pull down and show you. Um here, I'll show you really fast. I I don't know if I can turn oh, you know what? I can hold it up though. Give me just a second here. Um, I'll just throw a line on this thing and you'll kind of mm -hmm. see what I'm talking about. Um, and the greatest thing about wood burning is this. I just plug this thing in. I'm going to turn it on. Oh, if it's plugged in. Hold on. <laughs> so like if someone wants to get started in this, they really don't, they don't have to, they don't have to buy, like you said, they don't have to buy everything. They could just go, they can go to like Michael's or Hobby Lobby and just Dude, buy like the base model. If like you this, this... really wanted to get into wood burning or you just wanted to try it, it would cost you a total of like $40 at Michael's. 
it's really not inexpensive. That's kind of why I picked it up though as, as a hobby, the way that I did was mm -hmm. I was like, ah, here's this like cheap thing that I can just kind of throw away and whatever. I didn't realize that then it was going to make me buy a $500 wood burner, uh -huh. but you know, we'll oh. deal with those things as we if come along. still get those 40% off Hobby Lobby coupons. That would be nice. Right. Okay. Let's see if I can show this to you. If it shows up here. So even pull like pulling a line is not. I mean, it's not a fast. It's like a slow, controlled. It's just yeah. like tattooing. Yeah. You can't just whip through it. It's because you have to give the wood enough time to actually burn. Uh -huh. If I'm just like pull it, just same as tattooing. If I just like rip a line, then there's not been enough time for that skin to be open for the pigment to actually seep into mm -hmm. the spot. Also, if you go too slow, you're just blowing, you're just filling mm -hmm. too much pigment. So it's kind of the same thing. Okay, so on these wood rings, let me see if I can get it. See how um, right through this like thin spot, it's a really nice consistent line, mm -hmm. but then it hits that little spot and it lightens up. And then up here, see how every time it hits that ring, it's like thick and then darker, thin, yeah. and thick and then yep. thin and thick. So things with with the growth rings are really really difficult. Um, but like like this is an uncoated tray. I haven't finished this one up yet, but it's like a little Tibetan flame. Mm -hmm. I might do some gold leaf on it. I haven't really decided yet. But because this is all with the grain of the wood and not on around this flows really really well so if you can do things with the grain of wood it's always easier than doing like the rings that being said if you're gonna paint any of it like i use watercolors on some of mine uh, i think you've seen some of the like ones where i've done where i've painted like the flowers or something like that if it's with the grain for watercolor, it's really shitty because the watercolor will go down where you put it and then it'll follow the grain and it'll show up three inches down the wood in a place that you don't want it. So it'll kind of bleed through. Like yeah, bleed but it'll through. bleed through like, like I would paint like this ring up here mm -hmm. and then like somewhere like down there there'd be like blue that would pop out because it's just followed the the open spaces uh -huh. in the wood until it can come back up you know if you're going to paint stuff the wood rounds where you have that growth ring where it just sucks in and straight down is way easier so i so i like this like where people like you've you've made like you have to make these mistakes like you have to oh, make yeah. these mistakes to learn this stuff and i like that people can hear this and like, I've made them. Yeah, all. like they, like it's not it's not easy. What's one of the what's one of the biggest uh, things you've done? And I was that a the one I saw looked like a was it a big moth? Um, the biggest wood burning I've ever done was for a bakery up in Benicia, California. I did a sign for them that just says uh, "One House Bakery," and it's just their logo. And that was the first time that I figured out the plywood was not the thing to do it on because I already had it cut out and it was already on a sign and I already had a deadline and I had to just get through it. But never again will I do something on plywood. Now, now um, that wood prices have tripled also. 
Yeah, yeah, it's gotten yeah. really difficult to like do. Yeah, yeah it, it's been difficult. But um, but the biggest thing that I've done for myself was probably that big round moth that was like about three feet mm -hmm. wide. And it was probably about two and a half feet in the circle around it. And those things do take quite a long time to get through. Um, but um, so what I do like right now um, where I'm. I'm going to kind of talk about like where I source mm -hmm. materials for a minute because mm -hmm. that's where it gets really hard with wood burning is finding things to wood burn. Oddly enough, it is quite difficult to find stuff like these little trays and stuff. And, or at least maybe I should, it's not difficult to find them. It's difficult to find them at a price that is worth okay. doing and yeah. then reselling. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they're really hard to find in any sort of bulk load uh, order or anything like that. Um, I've looked at restaurant supply places. I've looked at import supply places. I've looked all over. I've scoured Amazon and everything. And usually if you find them at places like that, they're like, you know, 20 to $40 a piece. And then turning around and trying to sell a eight inch tray, no matter how much artwork you did on it for, over a hundred bucks because that's what you need to get out of it is insane. Right. So I have found a loophole and I find a lot of these things at TJ Maxx and home goods and uh, Ross and stuff like that, mm -hmm. where I'll go in and I'll look in their kitchen section and I'll just like pull cool cutting boards or pull cool trays. And they're cheap enough too, that I can actually then afford to do the work on them and only sell them for like 50, $75 and still make good money off of it and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, the sourcing of this kind of stuff gets a little hard. Um, like there's a local dispensary in town that wants me to make rolling trays for them. And I would love to, but I'm, I get really scared about putting them in there because they don't know how long I can find the Keep trays to refill uh -huh. when people just, you know, buy them or whatever. Um, how, do, how does everybody look at you at TJ Maxx and when they're like, why is this lady grabbing up all the trays and cutting boards here? What does she, what is she cooking? So the last time I was in Ross, <laughs> I was in our, our local Ross downtown and they don't know me, but they kind of know my face and I, mm -hmm. I stand out or whatever. Um, you know, in my little town, there's only a few people that look like this. Um, but I walked in and, the lady said, you know, I checked you out the last time that you came through and you had all these wood trays too. And she said, I'm just, are, are you opening a restaurant? And I, I was like, no. And she was like, what are you, I mean, what could you possibly be doing with all of these yeah. things? And I was like, oh, I, I just make art out of them. Uh -huh. And then she looked at me even weirder, like, what the fuck kind of art do you, you know, make you out making? of these wood what are you, trays? What are you building? You know? I had to pull out my phone yeah. and like show her and then she was like oh that's beautiful and I was like oh uh -huh. yeah like it does make sense I promise I'm not just a crazy lady buying all the wood things in your shop but yeah uh, I do get some weird looks when I'm walking up there with like a stack of 25 wooden trays and uh -huh. cutting boards and they're just like what the shit woman what are you doing? yeah it's pretty funny it's like when you find um, a good deal on them you gotta you gotta hide some of those things behind something's and so you can come back and grab them so totally. no one else buys them up i would be lying if i told you i had yeah. been a few inside of home goods a few times because yeah, you gotta have. move them to a different section <laughs> you just put them over in the baby yeah. shit no one yeah. ever looks in the baby shit yeah. yeah totally for sure um i have let me see i've got um i've got a couple things so 
this would be one where it's like uncoated. So what I do with this, um, let me see if I can find one that I haven't. Okay. So the thing with wood stuff is that unless you're buying something that is raw wood, you have to strip it or sand it because once you start burning, if it's any sort of chemical or like, um, a polyurethane or a wax coating or anything like that, all of that one is really bad for you to breathe in really, really gnarly. Um, it makes your whole garage smell like shit. Um, but then also it's going to affect your burn. Your burn is going to have to be going through all that wax and all that polyurethane to even get to the wood and it gets really gummy and stuff. So this is what they kind of look like when I first buy them. They're kind of a darker wood. And then I just take a disc sander, like a hand sander, like a little mouse or whatever. And for these things, I just sand them down. I don't put any sort of stripper or anything like that on them. I just sand them. Um, and that seems to be just fine. For the skateboards that I do, all skateboards come with like a polyurethane coating on them. And that one is a lot harder to get off. If you try and sand all the way through that, you're just going to burn through sandpaper like crazy. But a good paint stripper from Home Depot works great. You just paint it on and give it a few minutes and then scrape it off as much as you can and then sand it with like, I almost always start with like 120 grit and then I do like a 400 and then I'll do like a thousand and sometimes even a 1500 before mm -hmm. I start oh, wood wow. burning just so everything is, nice you then... Smooth. If you hit it with a thousand and a fifteen hundred, not only are you smoothing it out, but then you're also kind of packing any holes mm -hmm. that would be in the wood with all that little fine sawdust, which just helps the burn all together. Mm -hmm. um, so the the prep process in some of this stuff is a little longer. Like when we were talking earlier about how people just don't see the the process, right? Um, what goes like, into it? Yeah. Like just for me to get to here, mm -hmm. and this isn't even finished, is quite a lot of like fucking elbow grease mm -hmm. that gets you there, you know? Um, so then I would take it and I would do like, I'd sand it down. So it's, it's sanded and all of the coating is off and almost always I'll take like a washcloth with some like mineral spirits on it, kind of wipe it down. So it gets all of the extra grit off of it. And then usually I have to let it dry overnight because mineral spirit sinks into wood really, really, really hard. Um, and then, um, so I used to draw everything by hand. A couple years ago, I got an iPad. Helps a ton. <laughs> Ma massively cool yeah. investment yeah. for any artist, for sure. Even if you're not using what you draw as an end result, it helps Dave in laying out letters, helps just kind of come up with ideas and being able to do all of that right in, in i've been using them for mock-ups uh yeah for walls for people it's been nice i go there with the phone take a picture throw it on the ipad uh i've been using procreate and it's nice i can so they can see something like they can yeah. get a visual of it and it also just helps the like um you know because you were tattooing back when we were all drawing mm -hmm. things by hand and shit like that right oh yeah um, yeah the idea of like changing your mind Changing your mind on the iPad is so much easier than changing your mind in reality. When you're in the middle of a project and you're like, man, this thing isn't working, but I don't want to have to start over at zero. So you just try yeah. and push through this not uh -huh. working thing 
the iPad makes it so much easier to be like, oh, this isn't working. Okay, back to the drawing board. 10 minutes is wasted, 10 minutes and I'll be caught up to where I needed to be, you know? So uh, iPad stuff helps. I probably still have Mixed. some of these old, like old tattoo magazines. I would have to do uh, all my line drawings on because I would use transfer paper and have yeah. to do it all. We'd have to do it by hand. Yeah. And I would get so mad because I would have, I'd have a magazine and I would, I would have all those lines from where I've done other ones before and I'd go to do another transfer and my my pen would pick up that uh, an indent like and I'm slip like, and I'm like yep. it's all over the i this iPad has been uh, a game changer. I was really anti iPad. Like I definitely had some of that. Uh, even though I don't traditionally tattoo, as far as like my imagery of my mm -hmm. tattoos, I was raised an old school traditional mm -hmm. tattooer. So there is a part of me that's like coil machines, make your own needles. Uh -huh fucking you know fix your own shit like I, there's definitely this part of me that kind of screams at me back there in the back of my head that ipad isn't real art and you know uh, just all of this kind of shit right but then i picked it up and it just i always say it's the tool that allows me to be happier because i don't get yeah. angry about people not liking what i drew anymore i don't get angry if someone wants to change something because it's not four hours of my effort that they mm -hmm. want to change now it's like oh, okay go get a coffee and come back i'll have a change for you by the time you're back you know it, it just makes for tattooing specifically i can't imagine being a tattooer without an ipad at this point and for sign painting and like helmet mock-up and all of that mm -hmm. kind of stuff it's so nice to be able to just set a helmet up on your table, take a couple pictures in a few different angles, throw it into your iPad, sketch shit. Even if you don't print anything out off of your iPad, even if you never, ever actually like finish a drawing just to get your ideas going and get like what you think your brain is going to have it look like be somewhere that you mm -hmm. can physically look at it. It's so nice. It's where it's, I get, uh, where I mess up, I get lost in layers. And I'm like, did I just draw on the wrong layer? Like, oh Davey my gosh. had a hard time with the layers for the sure. Layers is what get that gets me. So you use you use it to mock up, mock up the wood burning. Do you just take, you take a picture of, take a picture up. of like the piece and then draw and see kind of what it would look like and. Yeah, yeah. So I do. Um, uh, it's all on my. I don't think I can close this and show you my screen uh -huh. for my iPad. Can I? I, that I don't know. It might it might log you out. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I can. Um, so what I'll do a lot of times is I'll take a picture of this like flat, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'll just put it into my iPad and I just draw over the top of it to try and kind of get an idea of how it's going to lay with the wood grain. Because some things I actually do use the wood grain and try and incorporate that into my design to some degree. And then some things I'm just laying it over the wood and it doesn't really matter, mm -hmm. you know? Um but it's really nice to be able to just kind of see about what it's going to look like, right? Or like the skateboards, I can take a picture of a skateboard. I can have the exact shape of my skateboard in my iPad. And that way I know I'm not like doing things that are off the edges that aren't really going to show up or whatever, you know? So it's super helpful. It really, uh, it's really changed the game, the iPad stuff. So um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll get whatever design I, I want drawn up. I then print it out on my computer uh, or on my printer with paper. 
cut it out or tape it together or do whatever Frankenstein stuff I got to do to make it, you know, one picture. Mm -hmm. And then I just hand transfer all my stencils. There's a few different ways that you can transfer wood burning stencils. Um, some ways would be like, if you have one of those laser jet printers, they have some paper where you can print it out and you can flip the design over and mm -hmm. you can just heat transfer the, the ink off of the inkjet onto your thing. I don't have an inkjet printer, so I don't do it that way. There's also another thing that you can get that's, I can remember the name of the product. It's some sort of masking agent that is in like with all the acrylic paint stuff uh, at Michael's. Is it liquid? Liquid? Yeah. Is it, or liquid it. or something you can you can paint it on. Um, I know what you're yeah, talking like about. Yeah, like you can paint it on and then turn your design over and stick it down. Yeah. And then like take the rest of the paper off and it just keeps the ink part. Mm -hmm. I've never done that in reality. I just know that it's a possibility. Same, I don't know. I know of it. I don't think, I don't know anybody who's used it, but everybody I, I watched a couple about. videos yeah. of it yeah. years ago and it looked like a fucking mess it yeah that's everybody like, knows what it is but no one i don't know anybody that uses that i think it's too messy yeah. i mean honestly it's too messy for me because mm -hmm. then you have to like rub all the paper off of the thing and i'm like man i can just do it by hand in the mm -hmm. same amount of time you know so i'll then like line it all up tape it down with masking tape put a piece of carbon paper underneath it and just trace it um what i get questions about more often than not is like uh these thick lines so these thicker ones people will always ask me if i just pull those with like one of the thicker pins mm -hmm. that i was showing you earlier and i don't and that's why they're as clean as they are i actually cut in both sides of these lines with one of those one knives and oh, fill nice. in in between and that just i find gives you a much cleaner outside line so that the outside is really really nice and crisp if i just tried to burn this just like with one of my wider pins and just like mm -hmm. ran it through you would have this weird kind of fuzz around the edge where every one of those layers of wood is a little different mm -hmm. you know um so i actually do cut in both sides and then fill in um and that's what i start doing so what i do is i'll i'll go through the whole thing and i'll do the whole outline all of the outline and then almost always, inevitably, there's little pencil marks left where I didn't, you know, get right up to the uh -huh. line or I adjusted it as I was burning it or whatever. And so then I'll take some sandpaper again and I start with like a 400 grit and I sand it all and then do a thousand and kind of sand it again. And sometimes in that, depending on how deep you burned, or how non-deep you burned. Um, sometimes you'll have to run over some of the lines again because they kind of get filled with sawdust. Mm -hmm. Or you can take like, like I have a little brush like this that just sits in my wood burning kit. And sometimes I'll just sit there and just kind of brush the little oh, you know, sawdust brush out it, of the little spots oh, wow. or whatever. Yeah. And that works too. Um, and then I'll go back and I'll start filling in all of the darker spots and stuff like that and, and getting all the texture and the details and, and things like that. Um, and then let me see, I've got a couple pieces up here that are finished that are not shiny coated that I can show you. Um, So this is like a little like cooking trivet, like a pot trivet. 
Um, let me see if I can get some light on this really fast. So, like, how many hours for something like for that, like something like that designed? I want to say this was maybe like ten ish, give, give or take a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, let me see if I can get it kind of closer. Oh, you can even see the shading and the, like this, the, the dot work in there. Yeah. Yeah. So like these would have all been double lined, these thicker lines, mm -hmm. these things right here, I just did with dots so that they're just kind of shaded through there. Um, all of these are like single line bits where I just did one line around. Um, and I don't think I did any like pulled shading on this thing. I think this was just kind of the line work. Mm -hmm. but so then this is obviously like a food thing so i wouldn't want to coat it with an epoxy resin because that's toxic and you don't want to put any of your food on that kind of stuff and so for things like this i use um uh where is it at watco is a company that does like sealants and mm -hmm. polyurethane and stuff like that and they have um this butcher block oil and finish and it's food safe. So you can use this as a charcuterie board and put mm -hmm. cheese and meat on it if you mm -hmm. wanted, or you could just put a pot on it, you know? Um, but it's really important that if you're going to do like wooden spoons, uh, cause a lot of people do kitchen stuff when they're wood burning mm -hmm. that you use something that is food safe like this. Teak oil is also something that people use a lot. I've also used olive oil um, and just kind of rubbed it down, you know, giving it a mm -hmm. condition with olive oil and that works really well too. Um, and then this one actually has some shading in it. So this is a, a bigger like bowl. This would be like a fruit bowl, you know, mm -hmm. that I don't know, you could use for all kinds of different stuff. But um, this one, you can actually see a little bit more of the shading that I've kind of pulled oh, yeah, out. In the there's a lot of detail here. in that. There is a lot of detail yeah. in this thing. This is for a really good friend of mine that lives down in Los Angeles, but I haven't been able mm -hmm. to see her in a year. And oh, yeah. she wants yeah. me to give it to her in person and not mail it to mm -hmm. her. So this one's already spoken for. But this is like a, like I found this piece of wood at Target. I paid, mm -hmm. I think 14 bucks for it or something like 15 mm -hmm. bucks for it, you know? Um, so not crazy expensive as far as the investment goes a lot cheaper than some of the one shot shit and stuff like that, you know? Um, yeah. and then, you know, I just brought it home and I did the elbow grease work of sanding it and getting it ready and all of that stuff. But then at the end of it, uh, like I obviously am not going to sell this to my friend, but if I were mm -hmm. going to sit this on a table and sell it, I would be selling it for probably between 80 and a hundred bucks super worth it and people mm -hmm. totally dig it you know mm -hmm. um and i would say hour wise this thing probably took me i don't know 20 25 maybe probably that's still that's a lot of time I, I, people don't that's like people get it like it's not a fast process no oh, it's gosh. not and, and most of us artists are putting like in comparison, so this is, sorry, this is going to be a gripe that I'm going to let go for a second. But like, I can do something like that. 
where I bought the piece of wood. The bowl was already made for me. All I had to do was sand it and fucking unfinish it. And then, and then everything beyond that was just my time, mm-hmm. you know, regardless, it wasn't, it was just my time. Uh, the wood burner isn't something that runs out like paint. Uh, I do have to replace them sometimes cause they do break and they do wear out, but we're talking like over, you know, years, not, um, I ruined one brush on this one thing I painted, which you've done before. I'm sure, you know? Oh, oh, um, oh yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, what bothers me, I guess, about some of the art stuff is that like, like Dave can do a cutout where he designed the whole thing, uh, be it iPad or, or by hand, and then took a whole piece of plywood and cut the whole thing out and sealed all the sides and the edges of it. And then primered the whole fucking thing and then given it a base coat and then laid a stencil on it and then painted the inside and then did all the details and then outlined the whole fucking thing. And he'll put that thing up for 150 bucks and people are like, "Ugh, 150 bucks. Like that's so much fucking money. And you're like, do you realize that that literally came from his brain? Like there, for that to be here physically for you to hold it, everything about that came out mm-hmm. of that guy's hand where I'm buying things at Ross and like fucking putting a fancy design on top of it. And people are like, Oh my God, that's so awesome. And I'm like, it still takes a lot of work, but I don't think people realize how much work us artists are willing to go through in order to Mm -hmm. just have something that we're like, here, let me, let me sell this to you, you know? And so then when an artist asks for a price, almost all the way across the board. Now there are some artists that think that they're fancy ass shit and they're worth more than they think they are. You know, there, there is that. But most of the time when an artist is asking you to pay a price, it's worth it. And they're probably mm-hmm. being underpaid. Mm-hmm. Like the, this, the whole, the whole wood burning thing, you, you have the process, like the trials that you had to go through to say like, Oh, this didn't, this isn't going to work. Uh, shoot, you had to learn all this. Uh, yes. So you, you are like you said, like you bought the, you bought the piece of wood, but I mean, that's how you have to get the, that's how you get it. You have to, you have to yeah. buy it, but you had to go through trials and tribulations just to figure out this, this works, this doesn't work. Oh, I, and don't I do this. Things. Don't do that. I've yeah. thrown away things from Ross that I uh, fucking have bought and thought yeah. was going to be really cool. And it was not. You know, um, there's definitely been, there's definitely been some trial and error in there and some wasted materials and some wasted time. And, um, yeah, there's definitely been all of that that's gotten me to this point for sure. But just like, just putting it out there to the people listening, if an artist has a price on something, it's usually Mm -hmm. underpaying them for the effort that they've put through. So you should probably just pay it and maybe even give them a little more. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And, and shout outs and everything. And yeah, really, honestly, like those, like the skateboards that I do, right. Um, they, they take between 30 and 50 hours of work very easily. Um, I generally sell skateboards between three and 600 bucks a piece, um, which sounds kind of like a lot for a skateboard deck, but not when you break it down to that being like, literally sometimes less than $5 an hour for myself. And I don't know too many people that are willing to work mm-hmm. for $5 an hour, much less passionately work for $5 it's, an hour. It's a piece of and, art. 
yeah it's a, it's a piece so, of like, art that yeah i love it i love wood burning and i love creating things and i would rather sell those things i create and get them out the door and in other mm -hmm. people's hands than pay myself some exuberant wage in order to make things mm -hmm. but on the other hand, when I say it's $300 a skateboard, don't cough at me because I'm still not <laughs> paying myself yeah. very much money, you know? Uh, yeah. Do you, um, for the skate, like all the wood burning stuff, how, if, you know, someone is interested in, in purchasing something, um, where, like website, that kind of stuff. And I know I put stuff down. Um, it'll be in like the description and everything. But for someone to hear it, you know, if someone's driving right now and they're like, gosh, I want to, I want to, I want to look this up. I want to, I want to check her stuff out. I want to purchase something. Where do they, where do people go to find you? Um, and, and to, to check out everything. So right now, um, one of my COVID, uh, things that I was supposed to get done that I haven't gotten done is, uh, building a website. I don't have a website mm -hmm. currently. Right now, I'm pretty much selling everything through like Instagram. Like uh, if I post it up and it doesn't say it's sold underneath it, it's probably still around and, and um, available. Um, I pretty much sell everything through my Instagram right now. Mm -hmm. uh, my Instagram or locally, there are some things like uh, I do have some wood burnings down at the tattoo shop that are in the lobby and in my station that are for sale. And um and then we hit up the shows. So if you catch us mm -hmm. at a show, you know, obviously everything there is for sale. Um, but for the most part, it's just my Instagram, which is just at Gina Jane Tattoos. Um, Gina is spelled J-E-A-N-A. -A. I'm, I'm a weird one. It's like jeans with an A. Um, but I like that if you go to, go to her Instagram and you will you will learn how to pronounce her name. Correctly. I, I do have it on, like, my, on yes, my profile. It, it's, so you do pronounce it. You will pronounce it correctly. It is broken down. It is there for yeah. you, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I get, I get, it doesn't bother me when people mispronounce my name at all. It's happened my whole life. Uh, my mom gave me a very unique name. Um, I just think it's funny because it's also very phonetic. If the female gene is exactly that way with uh -huh. an A on the end of it. So, it's pretty phonetic, but most people try and make it fancier than it is, uh -huh. you know? So, yes, that's her. So, I, ha I, I wrote, well, what you sent me before. So, uh, Instagram at uh, Gina Jane Tattoos and also Twitter at Gina Jane Tattoos. Yeah, I do have a Twitter and that's the same. Well, um, I, other than that, there is a Facebook page of Gina Jane Tattoos, but don't message me there because I probably won't get to it well, for yeah, I'm, I'm months. Doing the same thing. I'm I'm slowly working to have getting things off of Facebook. So yeah, I, I'm, just I'm liking Instagram. It's still there, and I'm pretty sure even my photos from Instagram get posted to my Facebook page. I think, but man. I don't really fuck with Facebook and it's real hard to get me to. So if you really want to get a hold of me, um, you can also email me at Gina Jane tattoos at yahoo.com. Um, that's my direct email for art commissions only. If it's tattoo stuff, follow the instructions on my Instagram profile because there is a wait list and I, and a way that I kind of work through all of that, that tattoo stuff. 
but if it's art commissions and stuff, you can feel free to email me. Um, again, Gina Jane tattoos at yahoo.com. Um, and other than that, you can shoot me a direct message on Instagram or comment on a picture that you like. And, and I'm pretty good about responding to people. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you for doing this. Oh, um, dude, no I appreciate problem. it. So this will be, uh, this is going to be out. It's on YouTube. It's actually live on YouTube right now, live on Facebook. Um, and will be available on, uh, most pod, anything you listen to on podcasts. So, um, it's at artists of the goods, artists with an S artists of the goods, uh, podcast. Um, thank you. And I'm really looking forward for, uh, a Wallace IG oh. account just to let me just let you know an ig wallace account do you want me to dog. show you the big skateboard i brought home oh yes yes so i want people to see this uh because it was it was i saw it posted on there this is the only thing with gold leaf on it that i have in the house right now so um this is already sold but this is a big skateboard that i did with like a split skull and some tibetan flames on it it's got some white highlights on the skull there. And then two got different a gold tooth. Yeah. Oh, so yes. There's a straight gold on it right in the tooth. And then here in the lotus flower. And then the rest of it is a black. No, this one's a blue variegated gold, um, which I get all my gold leaf from Coast Airbrush and uh in Anaheim, they're fantastic people. If you ever have any questions or anything, their customer service is full of knowledgeable guys that know how to use all of this custom art stuff. Um, and then all my skateboard decks come from Skateboard Connection, who is a guy that's in Southern California. He does a great job of getting cases of skateboards of whatever size that you'd possibly want out to artists. Um, really, really cool dude. Good prices. Worth worth looking at. Then Oa. On this, um, I'll shoot you a message because I'll, I'll I'll put some of that in the description, like the skateboard connections, uh, Coast Airbrush, the certain links for uh, some of the stuff you use. Yeah, might as well, I might as well put it out there. So, well, thank you. Yeah, and um, I to anyone listening too, I've got no secrets. So if it's something that you want to get into or something that you have some questions with or you're struggling with, please feel free to contact me uh, through Instagram or whatever and. Like I said, I'm happy to answer questions or help you troubleshoot if, if need be. Cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. It. You thank you, Donnie. Yes. Yeah, it was so you. nice to see your face. Hopefully yes. we get to see each other in person soon. Uh, yes. Yes. We will. Thank you. Bye, Johnny. Bye.